Ah, yes, it's that time of year once again. It is our best of interview moments of 2019 edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. I'm James Witham, and I just, it, it, this is one of the hardest times of the year for me because I've got to comb through all of the amazing interviews that have happened over the course of the year on the show and try and pick just 10 to to make this to make this show and and I mean after two major conventions you know we added WonderCon this year I was fortunate enough to go to Anaheim and of course San Diego Comic Con not just that though I mean there's just so many great interviews that are done throughout the year throughout the year outside of conventions as well so it's always hard to pick just 10 so I've I've done my best if yours didn't make the cut you know I'm sorry I mean you could still listen to the interviews right so it's not like you can never listen to them again but here were, I would say, 10 of my favorite moments from the past year. And I'm actually going to start with one that was not released on an actual podcast. I put the videos out, but I did not actually get a chance to release my interviews from WonderCon for Marvel Rising's Ironheart movie that they had. And I got a chance to talk to Melana Von Trube, who played Squirrel Girl, was the voice of Squirrel Girl. And she actually talked about how positive... Squirrel Girl was all the time. So here it is, an unreleased clip on a podcast, anyway, from that interview. I think a part of it is inherent. Like, she is just an inherent optimist. And then I think a part of it is that she's unbeatable. She is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, trademark. That's, like, her full name, right? So I think that that's... uh, if you've never really been toppled over, then that sense of optimism hasn't yet been destroyed. Not that it ever really needs to be. But um, it's also an element, it's, it's the thing that makes her so resourceful, too. It's because she can always at least imagine, even if it feels impossible and outlandish, some way out. And it's um, it's also a testament to her, like, her, her silliness and her creativity and her... Um, her uh, optimism are all kind of wrapped up in her ability to uh, see the world in a different way. Another thing that I got to do this year that was really, really neat was I got to attend a screening of the Tolkien movie from Fathom Events. It was very, very cool. There was an interview portion after the fact. But before that, I actually got a chance to talk to the director of the Tolkien movie, who was Dome Kurokoski, and he's a huge fan of Tolkien. So I had to ask him about possibly directing a Lord of the Rings movie. Not only was his answer pretty funny and how kind of frustrated he was, he never got to do that. Wait till you hear what he wants to do now. One of my best interview moments of 2019. What would you rather do if you got the opportunity? Would you like to direct another adaptation of a Lord of the Rings movie maybe? Or would you like to work on an entirely new movie or TV series based on these Tolkien stories? Well, I have the bitterness of uh, wanting, of course, do the Lord of the Rings you know, films. And, and I was still in film school when Peter Jackson did it. And I think he did a really good job, but he beat me to it. So there's always this bitterness. <laughs> but, <laughs> of course. Um, but, uh, uh, damn it, he got, he beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, I think, I think as an old, when I've become older, I've, I've actually, Silmarillion has become my favorite book. You know, it used to be Lord of the Rings, but Silmarillion has become my favorite book. And, you know, it changes. When I was in art school, Leif van Nigel, which is a very Kafkaesque story about art and creating art, was one of my, perhaps even my favorites. And now Silmarillion. And Silmarillion, if, you would, if I would be allowed to do anything, I would probably do, uh, if any, with all the money in the world, I would create a TV show out of Silmarillion. Because there's so much 
there about, you know, if you look at Numenor, which is the downfall of Numenor, which is a story of bad faith, I mean, wrong faith, and it's about corruption. You know, there's so many stories in there. If you look at this tragic story of Turin Turambar, which is basically a classical Aristotelian tragedy, there in that, in that Silmarillion, in the book, there are so many uh, layers of humanity in our society that I think it, uh, my gut feeling that it would be a TV show that I would want to see and definitely direct. Certainly one of the biggest stories of 2019 was the fight for Winona Earp and how there might not be a fourth season. And now as the year progressed, we got the good news that, the, yes, there would indeed be a fourth season of Winona Earp coming up. But when, during the fight for Winona, I went ahead and I talked to a good friend of the show, Tim Rozon. Of course, you know, he plays Doc Holliday on the show. So when we were talking about the potential of getting that call and Winona Earp returning, I had to ask him about the stash. You know that, and I loved his answer. One of my favorite moments of 2019. I got to ask the question that all the Earpers want to know right now. If you get the call mm-hmm. tomorrow, Winona Earp is back. How quickly mm-hmm. can the stash grow out, man? How quick? How, well, how? What are we talking here? You know what's funny is it grows faster than normal. So the 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 first year, well, it you know it's been a. a, a a beautiful journey that mustache went on. If anybody noticed from episode one yep. or two, uh, to, to, you know, by episode five, six, and then by season two, season three, what that stash looked like. Yep. So listen, for me, I'd like a good three months. Three months will get it about as bold as it can be. After three months is when Gunther, the makeup artist, uh, he starts bringing her down. He just nice. starts ha- hacking away at the thing. But I can do it in two. You hear I can that? do it in two months. He can be ready in two months. And, and and if need be, I mean, it feels like the stash is woven into your DNA at this point, Tim. It's like it's, it's like your body knows. It just knows. And if I need it to happen, trust me, it will go quicker. Oh, man, trust me, you just saying that gives me goosebumps. Let me get that call. Let me. All I want to do <laughs> is grow a mustache, my friend. Trust me. I don't want to, you know, that's all I want to do. You missed the I, hat, too, I, just, I see. I see you missed the hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, I missed that hat. I missed that hat. I think the one thing the fans of the Arrowverse and the Flash in general have been waiting to see for a long time is the debut of Sue Dibney, or Sue, Sue Dearborn, however you want to put it. And we know that we got a little bit of a tease of that in 2019, something to look forward to to 2020 maybe. So when I was at San Diego Comic-Con, we got to talk to a, little, a little bit to Hartley Sawyer, who plays Ralph Dibney, about that. So here's that little bit, one of my best moments of 2019. Well, we saw, yeah, Ralph and Sue, how do you do? Yeah, um, a boy named Sue. Uh, we saw that last year in the finale. Sue Dearborn, we saw that. Yeah. We saw the Dearborn file, and we're going to pursue that. Um, I can't say too much about it, but, you know, look, that's a thing. Like, that's now a thing that we're finally doing. And that's probably the number one question that I got since I started playing this character was, well, what about Sue? What about Sue? What about Sue? And, you know, we knew when we started in season four with Ralph, if things go well, if he fits into the team, if, if it all works and all of that, all roads lead to Sue Dibney. Uh, Sue Dearborn first, but then Sue Dibney. I made this mistake. Yeah, and that's just something that I've been excited about. But I like that we did not put that in any earlier than we're putting it in now. I really, really do. Because um, I think it would have been too soon there. Because he's got to get ready for that. He's got to mature for that. And now he's there. He's ready for that. He's ready for love. It's not very often you get to talk to nerd royalty, but I definitely got to do that this year. So looking forward to talking to Felicia Day, who came on to talk about her brand new book. And it's funny because... You know, she's inspired so many, and you never know 
what's going to inspire somebody? And it was this answer that made one of my best moments of 2019. Do you think that something like that and an ability like that is so important, especially now in the, in the age, it seems like there's all kinds of reboots and how can we do this differently? Do you think it's now more than ever important to unlock that creativity in so many people, especially new minds coming in to the business as well? 100%. I think the more, I mean, even if you're rebooting something, there has to be your own creativity in it, you know? The more you can bring to the table that is inventive and out of the box and also easy for you to work on, not easy in that the work is easy. It's always going to be work, but effortless in a way where you're really in, t- in, in touch with who you are inside and you have a playfulness with which you get your creativity out there. We, you never know when your creativity is going to touch another person. Um, just the other day I saw a tweet from a woman who said that when she watched a video of mine from 2012, I, I, was, I was crocheting. And she was so inspired by that, she started crocheting, and now she has an Etsy shop, and she does tutorial videos online. Wow. And that small, that small amount of creativity I put out in the world, I'm never going to crochet again, maybe. Right. But it, it really it helped somebody else get on a path that's really fulfilling for them. And so we never know what the end result of our creative expression of ourselves will be, but just know that it's important to do, not only for ourselves, for other people, maybe. I'm James Witham from the Down and Nerdy Podcast, running down some of the best interview moments of 2019 from the show. Thank you so much for listening to this show throughout the year. I'll talk about that here in a minute because we got to keep going on our list. These are in no particular order either, by the way, but certainly one of my favorites that dropped in 2019 was the Harley Quinn animated series on DC Universe. And I'm just a big fan of these guys in general, Patrick Schumacher and Justin Halper. Got to talk to them once again this year about the Harley Quinn animated series and talking about their favorite characters on the show. Yeah, it was one of our best interview moments of 2019. So other than Harley, what's been your favorite character to play with on the show? I, for me, I would probably say Kite Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that Justin didn't say Bane, but uh, I yeah, Bane. I think I think between those two, uh, Bane and Kite Man have been the most interesting. Kite Man because you know he's a he's a character who, at least in our representation of him, he has no powers, and uh, and yet he acts as if he is every bit as powerful as you know one of the Justice League. That you know his kite is his superpower. Yeah, like there's a line in one of the episodes where he says to Ivy, he understands what she's going through because, you know, when you have great power, like being able to control all plant life on Earth or a kite, you know, you have a lot of responsibility. And that that line to us was like, you know, that's exactly that character. Is he thinks that having a kite, he thinks he's yeah. a big time supervillain. Heavy is the back that holds the kite. Yeah. <laughs> I love that um, so much. But, uh, yeah, so, and, and, you know, obviously, like, what Tom King's done with Kite Man, really fleshing out his character, um, I mean, I, I thought that was genius, and we just want to do, <laughs> go in a different direction with that, but also flesh out that character uh, in, our, in our own way. It's, he's, he's, a, he's an awesome character. He plays a, a, uh, a very crucial role uh, in almost all 26 episodes of the show that we've produced thus far. Um, and then with regard to Bane, um, you know, we just decided to sort of take the opposite approach uh, to that character and making him uh, the, the farthest thing possible from a criminal mastermind. 
he's got the same origin story, but uh, it's affected him in a very different way, and he's sort of the butt of uh, of uh, <clears throat> the Legion of Doom's jokes. Seems like one of the themes of 2019 is endings, and one of the things that we're going to see ending in 2020 is Arrow. So talking about the final season of Arrow at San Diego Comic-Con this past year with the cast and the producers was kind of bittersweet. One of my favorite moments from that was talking to David Ramsey about the final moment between Oliver and Diggle and how that's going to play out. So I asked him about that and I loved his answer so much. Definitely one of my favorite moments of 2019. So we've seen the rises and falls and yeah. Diggle and Oliver's relationship over the years. And I know that you guys don't know much because you've only seen up to episode three script-wise. So what do you hope that final scene between Oliver and Diggle is? Um, what would be your perfect ending for that? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, my perfect ending for Oliver and Diggle should be much like... The- the beginning uh, when they agree to take on this journey together and to take care of each other um, and and they're brothers I have two older brothers and they fight we fight we fight and we love and we love and we love and I, and I don't think we have to put a button on that we just have to be real with that and uh, that's why I like the episode when we had that fight so much because you know it was just tell you a little story about that. It was just very well choreographed at first, and it was just punch and a punch and a kick. And we're just like, these two guys are brothers. They will not do that. I have two brothers. They're going to break things. They're going to go through windows. There'll be no technique. They're just trying to just pummel each other. And then mom is going to come in, and the Felicity was mom at that time, to break it up. Um, to continue to tell that honest story with these two brothers is is the way you end the story. Um, I don't think there has to be a button on it besides being true to that. And um, and ultimately, knowing now the end, I think that's exactly what happens. Sticking with the theme of endings, one show that we did see end in 2019 was Gotham. And you know how much of a supporter that I've been of Gotham on the show over the years. I always loved Gotham for what it was. One of my favorite characters and favorite people, as a matter of fact, I've ever had on the show is Robin Lord Taylor, of course, played Oswald and Penguin on the show. So I asked him what one of his favorite memories from Gotham would be, and I never expected what he would share with me, and it was one of my favorite moments of 2019. Now, Robin, before I let you go, let's say we were sitting down together five years from now, ten years from now, talking about Gotham. Is there a singular moment that you think from the show in five seasons that would come to you first and say, that's the thing I remember the most? Oh, man. Yeah, there would be. Um, I think it would probably be involved in the stuff. The first thing that comes to mind would probably be uh, the stuff involving Penguin's father, who was played by the amazing Paul Rubens. Um, that was going on as I was having my own, uh, the own loss of my father. And so it's just really like an insane memory or insane part of my life that, it, that, has, that has tied Gotham, you know, just directly to my own personal experience. And, you know, there's an episode out there where all of that was happening. And it's an episode that I'll never watch, but um, because I lived it and I want to keep the, I want to keep the memory you know, separate from the show. But, uh, but just know that like, you know, when, when that episode 
it's going to be playing forever. And it's just like, it's a part of my life that is immortalized. And, and in a weird way, it's a, it's a beautiful homage to my dad and to every, and to any dad out there. And I just, I, that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Just a couple of moments to go here in our best of interview moments of 2019 here on the down and nerdy podcast. And this one is definitely one. I don't think I'll actually ever forget this. It was at WonderCon during the press event for the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover movie that happened this year from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment and Nickelodeon. And it was with Troy Baker, who played Batman and the Joker in this movie, and Cass Anvar, who was Ra's al Ghul. Now, somebody asked if there would be a point in the movie, and this was before we'd seen the movie, by the way. Someone asked if it would be possible that Shredder would be chosen as a betrothed and a successor to Roz to marry Talia. And the answer that the guys gave was hilarious and certainly one of my favorite moments of 2019. How are you going to do... He offered clear, by the way. So answer the question for our, for our gentleman friend. Like the, you're you're talking, me is going, you're, how? You're talking, <laughs> you're talking to a man who, as I said, has, has been alive for centuries. This man does not suffer fools. <laughs> well, and, um, you know, I mean, Shredder, he, he can get things done in his own way, but... Roz doesn't like to play with others. He likes to be in charge, and he likes the people to be at least mentally stable. <laughs> so, so that he can so, steal their semen and impregnate his daughter <laughs> to give him a bastard son that would go on to be his Robin. That's yeah. how this works. That's how it works. So I don't know. If, I don't know if Roz would would view Shredder as uh, particularly competent and dependable. Well, guy Once he can bad, handle amphibians, the then maybe. Take I mean, <laughs> which is really the crazier. The blender's a little bit more functional. <laughs> you know, what if you went to a guy that's not scared of bats? You're like, I find them cute. Like, well, my whole thing doesn't work. So here it is, the final best of interview moment of 2019 from here on the Down and Nerdy podcast. And I said that these were in no particular order. And I meant it, but this one I will say I saved for last on purpose because this was definitely my favorite interview moment of 2019. It's when I got to talk to David Esmalchen, who is the writer and creator of Count Crowley Midnight Monster Hunter for Dark Horse Comics, but also you know him from The Dark Knight. He's been, actually he's been on Gotham. He's been on, he's going to be in the upcoming Suicide Squad movie and the Dune reboot and all kinds of stuff. So I was just I had so many things to talk to him about. So not only did I ask him about his potential role in the Suicide Squad and he kind of eh, gave us a little bit of a rumor killer, what happened after that was a very personal story and very inspirational, and that's why I wanted to share this. And it was definitely my favorite and best interview moment of 2019. I'd be remiss, David, if I didn't ask you about the other amazing things that you've got going on. It's been a hell of a year for you, actually, a couple years, actually. But I definitely wanted to touch base with you about your upcoming work on The Suicide Squad. Now, I know that you can't put out any spoilers. You guys are filming and all that stuff. But you're really no stranger to the DC Universe. So what's the most interesting thing to you about adding Polka Dot Man to your roster of characters? It's interesting. Um, I... I can tell you that there's a lot of information that's out to the world right now that isn't uh, always correct. Um, so 
your question is an interesting one, which I actually don't know how, how to answer, but um, I will tell you that uh, I am uh, going to be a part of that project and I'm very excited about that. And, uh, and in which way or in, in how, how much, in what fashion I, that's something I really, I can't answer. So I'm, I'm very excited about, um, I'm very excited about the fact that that movie is happening and that, um, James included my name on the, the list of, uh, the people not, uh, what did it say? Don't get attached i think his post yeah that's exactly what he great. said yeah. um uh, <laughs> was a good yeah. feeling yes but I, I i do think it's um it's it's going to be a fun couple of years for the build-up for the release of that film because there's been uh, james is uh, uh, an uh, just he, the storytelling has already begun in the sense that i think he's taking people on an adventure that is also a bit of a mystery and uh and i think people um should be wary of what is out on the interwebs uh, as to opposed to what is real and what is, uh, you know, uh, what's not. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting, I mean, it's an exciting time for all of us. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. Oh, totally, yeah. The fact that um, in many ways, those of us in the, in, in the world of fandom, I think felt like um, a great wrong was righted recently and that uh, that James is going to be um, completing his guardian's journey mm-hmm. um, the way he was meant to. Uh, that was news that really, um, that, that really rocked me in the best possible way. Like I, I was really, really devastated when all that BS went down last year and I was so frustrated at the way that things happen sometimes. And then knowing that he's going to be making that and the fact that he's going to be making the suicide squad, I was just like, God, we're, we get, we get, even though we had to go through a dark moment there now, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that um, we're going to get two incredible things from this, uh, from this experience, you know, things just have a way of working themselves out, David. They do. They do. And I learned that um, many times over. I, you know, I, I, I don't know how much you know about me personally, but I was, um, you know, I struggled with addiction very seriously. Uh, I was a, a homeless heroin addict for uh, a number of years, and I um, it struggled very hard to get a handle on both my battle with addiction as well as my struggle with depression and anxiety. And I and I had to go through some very, very dark, you know, the famous line from the dark night, but it really is true. You know, um, sometimes the night is the darkest just before the dawn. And I felt like I, um, was going to give up many times and, and now I'm sitting here, you know, getting ready to talking to you about it, but getting ready to, um, you know, uh, go home tonight and read my, my comic book again, you know, with my, with my family. And, uh, and I guess it's important for me to say that right now because I just don't know who's listening to us in our conversation, but I feel like anybody out there who feels like there's just, um, there's no point or if they feel like giving up or if they feel like, you know, you know, it, it really, you just gotta, you have to believe, um, you, you have to, and, and I promise it does get better. That was just one of those moments that really, really stood out to me is not only a fun moment when we were talking about the Suicide Squad movie, but then to to morph into that that story of, you know, how things really do get better and work out for the best. I thought that was a good way 
to to end this particular best of show because you know that it's not just about the laughs. Right? And we have plenty of laughs here on the podcast. We 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 talk about a lot of things. You know, there's even some ranting going on at times where you know there there's certain things that we just have to discuss that that aren't pleasant. But you know, you, you got to rant and get it off your chest a little bit. But then there's moments of inspiration. There were so many of those. This year on the show, I felt like, and that was one of my favorite things that happened on the show this year was there were so many moments of inspiration that I felt like from guests that came on, people who just had such amazing stories. And that's what I love to do here on the show is I love to not only inform you, not only have like to have a lot of fun, but try to tell amazing stories through amazing artists and creators and actors, actresses, directors, you know, anybody that I can get on the show that I think is interesting and will provide something amazing for you that you either didn't know before or you wanted to know more about. That is my goal every week here on the show, and I hope that's one of the reasons that you love listening. And you are the reason that I get to keep doing this. The fact that you're listening, the fact that every year you always listen. And this is the first year that I've asked you to support sponsors on the show. You've come through for that. I really appreciate that. That that has been a huge help this year for the show as well. So I hope you'll continue to do that. And I'm going to do everything I can to provide you with a, a more amazing moments in 2020, celebrating the sixth year of the Down and Nerdy podcast. You guys have allowed me to do this now for almost six years. going to be celebrating six years in March. And I cannot thank you enough for an amazing five years. And I'm sure that we're going to have another amazing five years. Thanks to you. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for letting me be able to sit here and talk about the things that I love every week and having amazing guests on the show. So thank you so much for that. That's going to do it for the best of 2019 edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. And yes, you can find more you can listen to some of the other other interviews that maybe didn't make the cut, but were also awesome at downandnerdypodcast.com. Also follow along, along on social media, facebook.com slash downandnerdy, at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget, continuing in 2020, the live watch parties that I'm doing for the Arrowverse shows like Arrow, The Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Supergirl, Find me on the TV Co. app, so download the TV Co. app on your smartphone, and then follow me at Down and Nerdy. You could watch the Arrow shows with me, react live. It's so much fun to do that every week, so hopefully you will join me for that as well. But I, this is something I say at the end of every show, and I'm going to do that once again because hopefully this is something that you did in 2019. You never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.